Sri Paramahamsa by Rajivacharya. Asatara Sadashi Shimada's Divine Grace A.C. Bhakti Vedanta Swami Maharaja Prabhupada Ki Jai. Iskand founder Acharya Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. Nantakoti Vaishnavinda Ki Jai. Namacharya Srila Haridas Thakur Ki Jai. Prem Shikaho Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Adoyati Gadadhar Shri Vasadi Gaur Bhakti Vrinda Ki Jai. Shri Shri Radha Krishna Gopopina Shaimakunda Radha Kunda Giri Govardhana Ki Jai. Vrindavan Dhamma Ki Jai, Matur Dhamma Ki Jai, Navadrip Mayapur Dhamma Ki Jai, Jagannath Puri Dhamma Ki Jai, Gangamai Jamuna Devi Ki Jai, Bhakti Devi Ki Jai, Tulsi Maharani Ki Jai, Samaveta Bhaktivinda Ki Jai, Gaur Premanande. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to Sri Guru and Gauranga, all glories to Srila Prabhupada, Nama Om Vishnu Padaya, Krishna Prashtaya Bhutale, Srimati Bhakti Vedanta Swami Niti Namane, Namaste Saraswati Deve, Gauravani Pacharane, Nirvasesa Sundarani Paskachade Satarane, Mandeham Sri Guru, Sri Uta Patakamalam, Sri Guru Vaishnavamscha, Sri Rupam Sagrajatam, Sahagana Raghunatham Vitam Samsajivam, Sadvoitam Sadvadutam Parijana Sahita Krishna Chaitanya Deva Shri Radha Krishna Padam Sahagana Lavita Shri Vishakam Vitamscha Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya August 27, 2013, in Hilo, Hawaii, class over Skype. Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 1, Chapter 8, Prayers by Queen Kunti and Pariket Saved, Text 14. Antasa Sarva Bhutanam Atma Yogeshwaro Hari Swamayaya Rinod Garbam Vairaja Kurutantave Antasta Being Within Sarva, all, Bhutanam, of the living beings, Atma, soul, Yoga Ishvadaha, the Lord of all mysticism, Hadahi, the Supreme Lord, Swamayaya, 
by the personal energy Avranat covered Garbam embryo Vairatyaha Uttara Kurutantave for the progeny of Maharaj Kuru. Translation and purport by Srila Prabhupada. The Lord of Supreme Mysticism, Sri Krishna, resides within everyone's heart as the Paramatma. As such, just to protect the progeny of the Kuru dynasty, he covered the embryo of Uttara by his personal energy. Purport. The Lord of Supreme Mysticism can simultaneously reside within everyone's heart or even within the atom by his Paramatma feature, his plenary portion. Therefore, from within the body of Uttara, he covered the embryo to save Maharaj Parikit and protect the progeny of Maharaj Kuru, of whom Pandu was also a descendant. Both the sons of Dhritarashtra and those of Pandu belonged to the same dynasty of Maharaj Kuru. Therefore, both of them were generally known as Kurus. But when there was a difference between the two families, the sons of Dhritarashtra were known as Kurus, whereas the sons of Pandu were known as Pandavas. Since the sons and grandsons of Dhritarashtra were all killed in the Battle of Kurukshetra, the last son of the dynasty is designated as the son of the Kurus. So there Prabhupada was explaining Kuru Tantave. Antasta sarva bhutanam atma yogeshvaro harihi swamaya ya vrinod garbam vairatya kurutantave. The Lord of Supreme Mysticism, Sri Krishna, resides within everyone's heart as the Paramatma. As such, just to protect the progeny of the Kuru dynasty, he covered the embryo of Uttara by his personal energy. Yogeshwaro Hari the supreme mysticism, the lord of supreme mysticism, the Ishwaraha, the master of mysticism, who does all these wonderful things. You know, you ask him to save your unborn child, and poof, he's in the womb, covering the child with his own energy. So, Srila Prabhupada would often make the point that before we can enter into the intimacy of Goloka Vrindavan, we have to know of the greatness of God. He said, before one can enter into the tenth canto, one has to read the other ninth, nine cantos. We have to, as Prabhupada told us personally in Chicago in 74, said the goal of religion is to know God and to love him. And part of knowing God is knowing his greatness. Of course, the residents of Rindavan, they're not very interested in the greatness of God as far as Yogeshwar, but even in Vrindavan, Krishna is acting as Yogeshwar, lifting Govardhan Hill, uh, killing so many demons, showing the universal form to Mother Yasoda, even expanding himself to dance with each gopi, so that each gopi thinks uh, that uh, Krishna is only dancing with her. Uh, so this is, this is Krishna's power even in Vrindavan, even in Vrindavan, it's like that. Of course, in Vrindavan, they're not loving Krishna because he's Yogeshwar. They're loving Krishna just because he's so wonderful in general. 
But even those of us who want to enter into Vrindavan as our supreme destination, we relish this greatness of Krishna. We relish this greatness of Krishna. So there's a way of relishing the greatness of Krishna in the the mood of awe and reverence, and then there's a way of relishing the greatness of Krishna that, wow, what a wonderful person Krishna is. Uh, but either way, one relishes this greatness of Krishna. And all of us want to give our love to somebody wonderful, isn't it? Isn't that what we're looking for? I think I mentioned this the other day, that when Prabhupada was, was here, one devotee told him about the famous song, rock and roll song, Don't You Want Somebody to Love? And Prabhupada said, yes, we all want somebody to love. We all want somebody to whom we can give our love. Somebody, I mean, generally another person, generally a man wants to love a woman, a woman wants to love a man, or we want to love our parents or our ancestors or our children. Maybe we want to love an animal, a horse, a dog, a cat, right? (laughs) Our, Our country, we have the greatest country, right? So we all want to give our love to something or someone that's wonderful. That's our our natural desire. We want to give our love to someone who's amazing. Right? It's just like, wow, what an incredible person. Whoa, I want to love them. And someone who's who's perfect. We want to love somebody who's not full of faults. And in this world we, we love somebody and after a while we we find out all their faults and we become disappointed. We find out that <laughs> they have so many problems, right? But although we want to love someone who's perfect, we want that person to still be a person, full of nuances and surprises. So, of course, the person we really want to love is Krishna. Now, all the religions of the world talk about love of God, whether it's all the different branches of Christianity, Judaism, Islam... The branches of Hinduism. Everyone talks about love of God. But how are you going to love God unless you know how wonderful He is? Is that possible? Just some vague thing. Well, I love God. But to love God, we have to know something. It's like Prabhupada, as I said, told us in Chicago to know God and to love Him. So here's some way we can know God Yogeshwar. Yoga Ishwar, Yogeshwar. He's the master of yoga. So here Krishna is doing one of his big miracles. I mean, the whole thing is sort of an amazing, miraculous, incredible story that Asvatthama throws a brahmastra that can enter into the womb of Uttara. So that's pretty amazing. I mean, we don't have any weapons like that. In our modern society, we have our atomic bombs, but they just blow up a whole city. They can't target a particular person and leave everyone else unscathed. So that's pretty far out at, as, you know, right there. But then the Krishna just enters into her womb. Actually, Krishna's already there. Antasta. Andantarasta paramanu chayantarastam. That Krishna's already within every atom, in everyone's heart. Ridesher junatistati. Sarvasyutaham ridisandiviso. So Krishna is already in the heart, he's already in the atom, he's already everywhere. Maitatam midam sarvam jagadavyaktimortinam. 
Matsnani Sarvabhutani Nachaham Te Suvastitaha. I'm there, I'm not there, I'm everywhere. So what's the problem for Krishna who's already there to use Swamaya, his own energy in the car in the garbam, in the womb, to protect the baby? In some places it says that he recreated the body of Marsh Brickett. Uh, here Avranote, he covered the embryo with his own potency. So we have so many examples, Krishna doing so many miracles. If we were all in the same room, I'd ask everybody to suggest some. So, of course, I already mentioned one of them, lifting Govardhan Hill. I'm just right now reading the um, the pastime of Govardhan Hill. I'm reading the pastime of Govardhan Hill in the Ananda Vrindavan Champu and how when Indra's pouring torrents of rain, Krishna lifts up the hill with, you know, one finger of one hand and he tells all the residents that as he lifted up the hill, big chunks of dirt and, and rocks fell off the ends and created a barrier wall so the rain wouldn't come in and then they see that under the hill there's this whole amazing city that's even more amazing, it says in Ananda Vrindavan Champu, than the subterranean heavenly planets. And there they all live for seven days without hunger or thirst or fatigue. And Krishna, this little seven-year-old boy, is, is holding up Govardhan Hill. So, of course, that's an incredible miracle, or Krishna showing his universal form, all time at one time, all space in one place all the demons that Krishna killed, expanding his body within Agasura until Agasura just broke into pieces, breaking Bakasura, uh, killing Putana. Uh, so those are all miraculous things. Or when Arjuna is fighting with Dryadath, that, that uh, Krishna apparently makes the sun set and then rise again, making the night of the Rasalila, the night of Brahma, expanding himself into all the coward boys and all of the calves and completely imitating them in, in person and, and dress and personality for one year, expanding himself at, at, to marry all of the queens. And Narada Muni sees that Krishna's doing different things in, in each palace. Well, I would have that so... All these amazing miracles that Krishna is doing, showing the universe within his mouth. Uh, so it, when Krishna was present, he was displaying so many times that he wasn't an ordinary person. Oh, what about when, when Krishna goes with Arjuna beyond the universal covering? So he gets in his chariot and his horses start flying in the sky. <laughs> and they go throughout the universe, they go through all the universal coverings. They, and go through the Brahma Jyoti and go to see Mahavishnu. So Krishna, when he was here on earth, he displayed so many amazing miracles, giving Draupadi an unlimited sari. And I'm sure all of you can think of, of so many more. And there's also, of course, our daily miracles that the atheists and the materialists completely take for granted. Sutre Mani Gana Eva. Krishna says, I am like the thread under the pearls, the unseen thread. So in a similar way, Krishna's hand, unseen miracles. We see that everything's orderly in the universe, 
but we don't see the the doer. We don't see the wonderful Krishna. I mean, when Krishna is personally here, they saw him lifting Govardhan Hill. They saw him uh, in each palace, like Narada saw him in each palace doing different things. But in our daily miracles, we don't see God. He's, he's hidden. He's the thread under the pearls. You see him only by the fact that all the pearls don't fall down. So how many miracles? I mean, how is it that, like yesterday, we had a pasta casserole and then some cookies? So I ate that. I ate pasta and bechamel sauce and some cheese and broccoli and carrots. And how is it that I, I digested that food? I have no idea. You know, somehow or other it gets digested and then it gets assimilated and it turns into fingers. You know, how do I do that? How do I turn pasta into fingers? <laughs> how do I turn pasta into hair? I have no idea how that's happening. How is my hair growing? How is, you know, our skin replenishing itself? Or here talking about Uttara's child. How does the baby grow within the womb? I mean, amazing, right? There's one little cell from the man, one little cell from the woman, and the woman doesn't know how she's forming the baby in the womb. She has no idea, you know? She doesn't have any idea. She's not doing it consciously. And that Krishna takes this this one little cell at the beginning, just one little cell, and it, it... it divides and it forms, you know, a nose and a brain and a heart and, and fingernails and amazing. You know, I mean, it's amazing enough that, that we're eating food and it's replenishing our fingers and our hair and our nose and our knees, but forming it. And, and there's information in this, in this cell and the DNA and the RNA that does this. And it does it seemingly with no doer. Sutre mani ganaiva. We we don't you don't see the thread. You just see the pearls. I remember once reading how a man, on the birth of his first child, all of a sudden became a theist. He said, "This is only possible if there is a God." Uh, but so, uh, all of our abilities, all of our intelligence, I mean, it's it, it's a miracle. And all around us, the movements of the planets. I, mean, I give this example so many times that. If you're going to take a, a plane or a train, it's not going to be exactly on time. You know, even the airlines that advertise, I don't remember which airlines advertise like this, but even the airlines that advertise, you know, we're the online airline. There's a, a number of airlines all over the world that advertise like that. You know, you get in their plane and they make an announcement, we're the on-time airline. But, you know, are they exactly on time? Of course not. You know, this plane is delayed for this reason and that reason and the other reason and and maybe, you know, maybe they'll put you on another flight. Maybe you'll get to your destination a few days later. Or maybe you won't get there at all. Or maybe you'll get there without your luggage, you know. Or, or a few months ago, I was on a train in Europe that was supposed to go from Malouin in Belgium to Brussels Midi Station. And there were signs on the train, destination Brussels Midi, destination Brussels Midi. And then it stopped at Brussels Nord Station, and it never went to Brussels Midi. And finally I asked somebody, is this train going to Brussels Midi? No, <laughs> we're stopping here. You know, and then I had to get off the train and go to another train, and I was delayed. And But that doesn't happen with the planets. 
we don't have that problem with the planets. You know, it's not that it's not that there's an announcement. Oops, sorry, sunrise is late today. You know, we're we're going to substitute Jupiter for the sun because couldn't make it on time, and everything's going with perfect precision. Perfect precision. So that's you could say it's it's an ongoing daily miracle. And how do all the planets go without you know bumping into? There's no crashes. There's no collisions, right? And and even there's terrorists. There's universal terrorists. The demons try to upset everything, and then it gets rectified. So there's Hiranyaka who hijacks the Earth planet, drops it in the Garba Ocean, and Lord Varaha saves it. That's a big miracle, of course. But anyway, all around us are the miracles of God. All around us is the evidence of Krishna. There's that famous story Prabhupada tells about Narada Muni, who was traveling on earth. One Brahmin saw him and said, Oh, Narada, you regularly go to Vaikuntha. You regularly see Lord Vishnu. Tell me, when am I going to get liberated? Is it going to be this life? I'm such a Paka Brahmana. I'm sure it will be this life. So Narada said, I'll ask. Then Narada sees a cobbler. Now, in modern Western society, that may not mean much to us, but in traditional India, a cobbler is a very low-class person. They're working with cow skin, with cow leather. Of course, they didn't kill the cow. It was from animals that died naturally. But still, they're working with unclean substances, doing manual labor with unclean substances. So there was a cobbler who was also a great devotee of Lord Vishnu. And when he saw Narada, he also said, Oh, Narada, you go to see Lord Vishnu. Please tell me, when am I going to go to Vaikuntha? So Narada says, sure, I'll ask. And when Narada went to Vaikuntha, he asked Lord Narayana. He said, my dear Lord Narayana, on earth I met a very pious Brahmana, and I met a cobbler, both of them are your devotees, and they both want to know, when am I going to come home? And Lord Narayana said, that cobbler, this is his last life, he is coming to me at the end of this life. And the Brahmana Narada said, oh, I don't know when he's coming Lord Narayan said, as many leaves as there are in a tree, that many more lifetimes he has before he'll come to me. And then Narayan said, I, I don't understand. The Brahman is following all the rituals of the scripture and he's, he's worshipping you. you know, how is it that it's going to take him as many lifetimes as there are leaves on a tree? And Lord Narayan said, when they ask you what I was doing, you tell them that I was threading an elephant through the eye of a needle. So Narada's kind of thinking, you know, what's that all about? So he goes back to earth, and again he meets the Brahmana, and the Brahmana says, Oh, Narada, namaste, namaste. Did you see Lord Narayana, Lord Vishnu? Oh, yes, I did, Narada said. And what did he say? When will I get my moksha? Many, many lifetimes, Narada said. He doesn't even know how long it will be. What is this? The Brahmin said. I don't believe you were talking to Lord Narayan. You're just making this up. I'm a great and pious person. I'm a devotee. What was Lord Narayan doing anyway? I don't think you even saw him. Narada said he was threading an elephant through the eye of a needle. And the Brahmin said, Ah, I was right. Impossible. You never saw Lord Narayan. (laughs) And then, then Narada sees the cobbler. Oh, Narada, Narada. Namaste. Did you see Lord Narayan? 
Yes, I did, Narada said. Oh, what was he doing? The cobbler doesn't immediately ask about himself, he says. What was Lord Narayan doing? Narada says, oh, he was threading an elephant through the eye of a needle. Oh, how wonderful my Lord is, how wonderful my Lord is. And he starts dancing. And Narada looks at him kind of quizzically and says, "Uh, you believe me? (laughs) And the cobbler says, of course, I believe you. Narada says, why? He says, well, look at this big banyan tree. So here in Hawaii, there are big banyan trees. We were out the other day walking by the ocean. I was out with my god sister. And there are these big banyan trees. They are huge. They're bigger than a house. Bigger than two, three houses. Spreading out in all directions. Practically as big as a city block. Huge banyan trees. And the cobbler said, This huge banyan tree is put inside of a little seed. If my Lord can put a banyan tree inside of a seed, why can't he put an elephant through the eye of a needle? And Narada started dancing, and he said, And you will attain Vaikuntha in this very life. So that is the little miracles. But do we see them? Or Sutri Maniganaiva? Are they, are they hiding from us? Yogeshwar, wonderful. Not only is there a banyan tree inside the seed, but the banyan tree produces so many more seeds with so many and all that is inside the seed. How is that possible? And what do you give to the seed to manifest this? Sunlight, water, and a few minerals from the earth. Well, who could produce this? A little speck. Just a little seed, like a little speck. Give it sunlight, water, and a few minerals from the earth, and it produces a banyan tree that can produce other banyan trees and other banyan trees and other... Effortlessly, seemingly, with no visible person there to engineer it. All the flowers. So here in Hawaii, there's so many flowers. When I was in Durban, there's one devotee, Partasarati Maharaj, who brought all these trees from Vrindavan and Around our temple, there's Kadamba trees and Lang Lang trees. So many different trees. You're walking from one fragrance, overwhelming fragrance, to another, to another, to another. and All different beautiful colors. Each flower is as gorgeous colors and arrangement of colors and amazing fragrances. So from the one earth, all of the plants, they're growing in the same earth. Same dirt, just dirt. Go and smell dirt. Do you smell gardenia? Do you smell langlang? Do you smell kadamba? Do you smell jasmine? Where is it coming from? The same dirt, the same water, the same sun. Who can take sunshine? You know, take a few minerals, mix them with water, stick it in the sunshine. Are you going to get rose fragrance and gardenia fragrance? I take a walk pretty much every morning up and down the street. And there's these different, uh, I think it's called tuberose. There's these flowering trees and gardenias. And as I, I walk down the street, the fragrance is overwhelming. How does he do that? 
how does he create all these different fragrances? You know, if some company wants to produce a new perfume, they have to go in the laboratory and this and that, and they never produce something that's as nice as the gardenia and the rose and the lotus and the lang lang. And all the different colors, where do they come from? Just some dirt and water and sunlight, all the different colors. And even uh, look at our human bodies, each of us looks somewhat different. Amazing. Each of us has a different DNA. There's never been two people with the same DNA, different fingerprints. Each snowflake even is different. Each grain of sand, you look at magnification of grain of, of sand. The beautiful patterns in water. So, Yogeshwar, he's the master of mystics. The greatest and the smallest. So he's within every atom. He's everywhere. And yet everything is within him. And we're about to be coming in this chapter to Quinty's discussing... Krishna's contradictions, born and not born. Of course, Isopanishad discusses this also. You stay in one place that you're the swiftest. You walk, but you don't walk. The, how can the whole universe be inside Krishna? Like Krishna shows Mother Yasoda, the whole universe is in his mouth twice, he shows us. But yet he's in every atom. He's in every atom. So just imagine, you know, in every atom look around where we are in every atom there's Krishna and yet in Krishna there's the whole universe so within every atom there's Krishna and within Krishna there's the whole universe so Krishna is able to also hold all seeming contradictions he's everywhere everything's in him and yet he's not there Maybe we quoted earlier, Maya Tatamidam Sarvam Matstani Sarvabhutani Natchahamte Everything is in me, but I am not in them, Krishna says. I, I told this story before how one time when we were teaching this verse to our Gurukul students, after teaching the verse, there was a little break in the class, and I heard two six year old students talking and saying, I don't, I don't think Mother Ermila taught us the right thing. That's not right. What she was teaching us with that first, that's not right. She was teaching us in that verse that Krishna says, I am everywhere, but nothing is in me. But but everything's in Krishna. Right? Everything's also in Krishna. When Krishna opened his mouth, there was a universal form. And of course, then Krishna says that in the next verse. And he says, Behold my mystic power. So that Krishna's in the Adam, everything's in Krishna that everything's in him, everything's not in him. He's there, but he's not there. Try to find him. Here he is within every atom. But how do you find him? Only love can reveal him. Otherwise he remains invisible, the thread under the pearls, not visible. And the atheist can even say he's not there. They look around, they see the sun rising on time, and they see the babies formed in the womb, and they see the tree come out of the banyan seed, and they say, there's no God. <laughs> Amazing. Matasmatirganam Krishna gives knowledge, he also gives forgetfulness. 
And he's everywhere, everything, and yet he's a person. Person means that he has a form. Now, how can he have a form if he's everywhere? A form means, like if I look at my hand, so my finger is here, but it's not there. It has an edge. And one thing that artists do, artists notice the edge. Where is the line between the thing and the not thing? We're dressing the deity, and he has an edge. You, you, you have a, make a shirt, and the shirt has a sleeve, and there's a place where there's the sleeve and where there's not the sleeve. But God is everywhere. There's no beginning, there's no end, there's no edge. But yet he has a form. And you can say that you can make clothes for the form. Of course, you know, both are there. So Mother Yasoda is trying to, to tie up Krishna with her rope, trying to measure his waist. What's his measurement? And she ties another rope and another rope and another rope. And another. She had all the ropes in the village. It was a big village. There's a lot of rope. <laughs> that was really a lot of rope and she's just laughing <laughs> how is this she's perspiring at the same time Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur says Krishna was wearing a little belt of bells hey Krishna had his, his belt and you could measure it here's where Krishna's waist is and here's where it isn't and yet there isn't any isn't so both are there and Krishna is everything and yet He's got a personality. Rupa Goswami describes Krishna's personality, dear Adata, dear Adata, dear Lalita, dear Prasanta. And even the, Krishna's personality appears contradictory. How can you be both dear Prasanta and dear Adata? How can you do that? Dear Prasanta is the gentleman. Dear Adata is the wild man. And dear Adata is the hero, the noble hero. Dharma and Dara Lalita is the party boy. How is he all of them? Perfectly in one person. And he has his likes. Like he likes to play a flute. I'm sure he's an equally expert piano player, but he likes to play a flute. I'm sure he can play every instrument in the orchestra. And I'm sure he can play them all at once. But he likes a flute. He likes luglus. I haven't seen real Luglu's for a long time. And Prabhupada taught us how to make Luglu's. You know, you take a chickpea flour batter and you fry it in ghee into little balls. And then you soak it in sugar water and you put in all different kinds of dried fruit, dates and apricots and nuts. And then you roll it into balls or sometimes in New York temple we used to spread it out on baking pans and sheets. Really expensive ingredients and... We used to give that out for free on the streets of New York. Tamal Krishnamarsh would tell the story how one time they made luglus like that. And when Prabhupada ate them, he said, this is just like what Mother Yasoda sends with Krishna to the pasturing ground. So Krishna has, has his likes, his certain food that he, that he likes, uh, certain activities that he likes. He likes to dance, and certain animals he particularly likes. So he has his personality. You could say, you know, how doesn't God like everything? Uh, but still, everywhere, everything. He has a personality. So our, the, our main process in bhakti yoga is to fall in love with Krishna. Now, how do you fall in love with someone? Well, first of all, you notice. 
sometimes I teach classes about appreciation. How do we appreciate each other? Because in the Vaikuntha world, all the living entities are appreciating everyone else. That's one of the features of Vaikuntha, that the birds, the sweetly singing melodic birds are appreciating the droning of the bees and the very colorful and fragrant flowers are appreciating uh, the seemingly more simple Tulsi. There's, there's constant appreciation of everyone. There's no envy. So if you're going to appreciate someone, the first thing you have to do is notice. You know, we generally don't notice what other people do. We sort of take it for granted. You know, yeah, my husband goes to work every day and earns the money. Yeah, that's what he's supposed to do. <laughs> you know, my wife cleans the house every day. That's what she's supposed to do. We, you know, come home, the house is clean. Oh, well, yeah, that's just the way it is. You know, there's money in the bank. Oh, that's just the way it is. We don't, we don't notice. We don't notice other people's sacrifices. We don't notice other people's austerity or other people's cleverness. Right? So the first thing in appreciation is just to notice. What is somebody actually doing? So the first thing in loving Krishna is to notice, to pay attention. The other day someone said to me, suppose that in the morning all you had was what you felt grateful for the day before. How much would you have? I say, oop, not much. You know, do we notice what ability we have? Do we notice our digestion? Do we notice the air, the water, the variety of flowers and, and fruits, the rising of the sun? Do we notice Krishna's artistry? <laughs> There's one class where Prabhupada said that when the impersonalists say the world is false, that it depresses Krishna. He said, don't depress Krishna by looking at his creation and saying, oh, it's all just false. And Krishna wants to be appreciated. So even to, to whether one's appreciating in the mood of on reverence, oh, God is so great, or one, whether one is appreciating in the mood of the residence of Vrindavan. So what we are meant to do is appreciate Krishna, to notice. Oh, or maybe the only thing we notice is what Krishna is not giving me. Krishna is not giving me this thing I want. Krishna is not giving me this thing I want. Krishna is not giving me this thing I want. And then gratitude, appreciation and gratitude and love. And of course, one way we express that appreciation, gratitude and love is to use things for Krishna. Not like, okay, thanks Krishna, thanks for this ability, thanks for this intelligence, I'm going to take it and use it in a way that you're not going to like. (laughs) But appreciation and gratitude, not just noticing that there's a person but using it in a way that will please that person. And then we'll have what we want. What we want is a loving relationship with the most wonderful person. That's what we want. We're so disappointed in this world. We're so dis- Everyone's disappointed. I, I injured my finger a while ago, and I can't type very well. I mean, even a little typing, it's painful, but after about a half an hour, it becomes kind of unbearably painful. So my emails and Facebook messages are piling up, and about a third of them are people having relationship problems. And, you know, they're practically identical problems. You just change the names. That my husband, my wife, my mother-in-law, my father-in-law, my mother, my father, sometimes my guru, uh, sometimes my boss, they're not what I want. They're not a perfect person. I want to love them, but 
there's so many reasons I feel I can't. They disappoint me in so many ways. They don't love me the way I want, and I can't love them the way I want. You know, fix it for me, Romila. <laughs> you know, fix it for me. Make it so that all the jivas in my life love me perfectly, and make it so I can love all the jivas in my life perfectly. And that's not going to work. Why don't we fall in love with Krishna? He's so easy to fall in love with. Even in material consciousness, even in the material world. Even if we can't see beautiful Shaima Sundar with his sparkling, glittering, alive, saffron, golden, yellow clothes, looking like molted gold with his beautiful sash and waist bells tingling, ankle bells melodically tingling and his toenails so brilliant that when he put his feet on a footstool made of colored gems that all the colors disappear in the radiance of his toenails and his little line of hairs coming from his navel that looks like black swans entering into an unlimited lake and his navel that looks like the whole universe came out of it because it did and that it wants to go back in and his chest like a sapphire door with his mark of the goddess of fortune and his kastuba jewel that's the resting place of the living entities and his long arms and his very delicate fingers that although he's maintaining the universe, his hands are so soft like he never does any work but with little indentations on his fingers from playing his flute and his neck with three lines like a conch shell and his makara earrings reflecting off of his sapphire mirror-like cheeks and his beautiful eyes like lotus petals and his hair curling like crow's feathers and his mind-enchanting smile and his laughter. We may not be able to see that shine of Sundar, but we can see the sunrise. We can see the banyan tree. We can see the baby formed in the womb. So why not love Krishna? Bhishma says that prema means you give all your love to Krishna and not to anyone else. But when you give all your love to Krishna and not to anyone else, what happens? Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purna Purnarudachite Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Psishite. Krishna is complete. When we give our love to Krishna, we're full. And when we're full, we're overflowing. And when we're overflowing, then we can give real love to everyone. Otherwise, if we don't love Krishna first, we're not loving anybody. We're just exploiting them, and they're exploiting us, and we go on misery, 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 misery. So let us fall in love with Krishna. These stories are here, not just for philosophy, not just so we can know the stories, not just so we can tell them accurately and remember the names and who did what and fill them out on an exam, or so we can spout some philosophy, these stories are there so we can fall in love with Krishna. Questions, comments, additions, subtractions? Okay. Um, <clears throat> can you hear me? Yes, yes, I can hear you. Please accept my obeisances. Okay. Um, you mentioned Krishna was seven years old when he held up Govardhan Hill. And 
far as I know. I'm sorry? As far as I know. Yeah, no, that's in Prabhupada's Krishna book. Yes. He, he says, at the age of seven years, he lifted Govardhan Hill, therefore the Rasa dance took place during his eighth year. He had to wait for the Surat full moon the next year. Yes. So, I've also read somewhere in Srila Prabhupada's books, although I can't find it at the moment, that auspicious personalities appear one and a half times older than their numerical age. So, of course, Krishna is the most auspicious personality and certainly appeared in that way, but one and a half times seven is ten and a half. And at eight years old, he's appearing uh, like he's 12 years old. But here's the point. Many artists, including Prabhupada's artists, depict Krishna like he's in his 20s with Radha. You know, I rarely see a depiction of Krishna this young except for maybe in the cowherd paintings. Isn't that curious? Very curious. There is there is one Rasalila painting that was done in Prabhupada's time where both Krishna and the gopis appear very young. Uh, but that's but that's a very esoteric question, Kabu, and I really don't know. You have to ask somebody who's deep into esoteric realization. And uh, Chandraswami, who who has Radha at 14 years, two months, and 15 days, and Krishna at 15 years, nine months, and seven days. Yes, something like that. I think somewhere, I, I haven't found this, I think somewhere Prabhupada talks about the Kishori age, that, you know, how Krishna is eternally youthful, looks like a 16-year-old youth. Right, and he's a little below 16 eternally. Right. But still, we rarely see these sorts of depictions. Well, I got a painting on my wall that's like that. Krishna looks about painting. 14, 15. And, it, and, and it's, uh, he's with Radha. Yeah, and a bunch of other gopis, too. They're having a Rasalila dance. I have it right on my wall. Oh, let's see odd one out. Mother Amila? Yes. Uh, I have two questions, and Harsh has a question. So why don't we go with Harsh first? Um, reminder, let's oh, see, I'm unmuting. Okay, I just unmuted um, uh, Steiner. Reminder for everybody else on Skype, please remain muted so we can hear the question. Okay, go ahead, Harsh. Hare Krishna Prabhu, thank you very much. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Oh, thank you, Mother. Uh, thanks for the wonderful class. Uh, I had this question regarding this uh, because I'm interacting with some Protestant uh, where they don't focus on rituals. And when, when I was listening to your class, my hint or my uh, understanding was okay what's the need of the guru it's like we have books we have scriptures and we have our own brain so we can see krishna with our own all the scientific inquiries 
and then uh, so uh, how does all these rituals and with the sanctified which are giving vedi bhakti fits in with all this uh, consciousness which you are talking that see krishna how it is he is there in the creation and then gradually move on that's my question so it sounds like you have two question why do we need a guru and why do we need to do rituals I think rituals and came for guru that's what under therefore I link them combined or if you want to take them separately you can take them Okay so why do we need guru guru means teacher why do we need a teacher for anything you know when we come out of the womb what do we know we don't know anything without a teacher how are we going to learn anything and there's a certain amount one can understand about god without a guru proper talks about this that even a uneducated person without the scriptures without guru can come to understand that there's a god and I'm not this body so some basic you can understand but if you're going to understand details how are we going to understand who is god i mean i have on my wall i have two three photographs and three paintings so i can understand with the photographs there was a photographer i can understand with the paintings there was an artist but who is the photographer who is the artist what is the you know is it what is the nature of the person what is their personality how can i know that i mean i can deduce something i can deduce something about god just with logic and reason in fact sometimes i give a class where we discuss what can we deduce about god through logic and reason we can deduce that he's artistic he's creative he's very orderly at the same time he likes surprises he really likes variety and individuality he's very powerful so forth and so on from our experience we can understand there must be one ultimate god everything couldn't be managed ultimately by a committee etc etc but you get to a point that you 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 can't go any further so guru has to give us information that's beyond the purview of our mind and intelligence we we reach a limit we we come to a block and and without that information how can we progress as far as the rituals of vaidhi bhakti so every religious system in the world gives frankly very similar processes they have a lot in common for how to realize spiritual spirituality and this is it's something uh, like why are there rituals in human relationships even so if you want to get to know a person another human there's certain as a certain process you follow to get to know them that process may be slightly different according to different cultures and different uh but there there's a there's still a process it doesn't just happen and there are people who can teach that you know how to meet a girl how to meet a boy what to say how to go for a job interview how to, you know there there's what to do i'm thinking my my, my grandson's going to be flying to india by himself So I'm telling him what to do. 
okay, you call the, call the airline, go to their frequent flyer mile page and register for your frequent flyer mile number and do this and do that and talk to this person. So he doesn't know how to do it. I know how to do it. And therefore I'm, I'm taking him. So the guru also is saying, this is how you develop your love for God. This is how you reawaken your love for God. You do this and you do this and you do this. And where's that coming from? That's coming from Krishna himself. So it's, it's not exactly that the rituals in and of themselves are revealing God. I mean, in fact, if you take even chanting the holy name, if you, if you think chanting the holy name is some, I'm not saying you, but if someone thinks chanting the holy name is some sort of ritual, that's an offense. If a person thinks, well, my sitting down and chanting, it's some sort of mechanical ritual that's going to unlock God. That's how demons see the universe. They see the universe as just some big machine. They, they just have to figure out the rules of the machine. But it's more, this is Krishna telling you through the guru, through the scriptures, how to establish a relationship with him. You know, like if somebody wants a relationship with any of us, and, and they could say, how can I have a relationship with you? And you can say, okay, well, here's my phone number. Here's my email address. Here's my physical address. You can come and see me at this time. This is a good time to see me. This is not such a good time to see me. You know, one in the morning isn't such a good time to stop by my house. You know, nine in the morning is a good time to stop by my house. So the gurus are telling us you connect with Krishna anytime, but especially early in the morning. That's the best time to have your time to connect. What do you connect? Here's his address, here's his phone number. What does he like to talk about? This is what he likes to talk. This is what he likes to hear about. What, what can I give him? The six loving exchanges. How do we have a relationship with anyone? Give and exchange gifts. Give and exchange confidences. Give and exchange food. What kind of gifts does God like? Well, he likes incense. In a recent Back to Godhead, I wrote an article about offering incense. He likes incense. He likes a lamp. He likes flowers. That's what he likes. He likes it done like this. This is the way he likes it done. He doesn't like it done like this. He doesn't like this kind of food. He likes this kind of food. He likes things in this way. How would we know that? So it's in the scriptures and it's given by the sadhus and by the gurus. And then if we follow it, not in a mechanical way, not thinking, okay, I'm doing these rituals, God's got to reveal himself like I'm punching some buttons on a machine. But if we do it in the sense of developing a relationship, then indeed that relationship develops. Now, they may appear to be rituals, but they should not be done ritualistically. They're for the sake of, you know, it's, it's like a man gives his, his woman flowers, but if he does it ritualistically, okay, woman, here's the flowers, love me. You know, she's going to say, excuse me, you're not buying me with flowers. So giving the flowers expresses existing love, and it develops undeveloped love. It's similarly giving a flower to Krishna. Does that, does that make giving a flower to Krishna a ritual? But how would we figure that out? 
just with our mind and intelligence and our, and our logic. And then you say, we say we have the scriptures. Okay, but the scriptures are full of all different kinds of instructions. You said this person was a Christian, I think. So you're going to follow all the instructions in the Bible? What modern Christian is following all the instructions in the Bible? None of them. I mean, the Jews have this concept of 613 rules that they have to follow. Imagine becoming a devotee and you take vows for 613 rules. Anyway, are they, is everyone following all of them? They have to be applied according to time, place, and circumstance. Different persons are going to follow different rules in different ways. And therefore, in every tradition, there's commentators, there's sadhus who show how to follow the rules in different times and places. And then there's guru who not only gives you general knowledge, but who gives you specific. This is how you should apply them. This is what medicine you should take now. Otherwise, what are you going to do? You're going to have to be your own guru. You have to go through the scriptures and decide, well, I'm going to follow this and I'm not going to follow that. You know, But you may be doing the wrong thing. Okay, we could take one more. Oh, okay. We have several questions coming up. Uh, well, maybe they're very short, but not too many more. Uh, just quickly, um, you know the history of Satyavati, how she was uh, uh, born from a fish, yeah, and yeah. her father, Vasu. Right. Yeah, when he was in the forest, and he he um, you know passed semen, he that was so precious that he had a hawk take it to his queen. Right. Um, in a similar way, here we have a situation. Now, don't take this in the wrong way. It's not that I'm being insensitive to the the Pandavas or Uttara, um, you know, their bereavement. But even if Maharaj um, Parikshit was annihilated within the womb, um, why couldn't, why couldn't, they couldn't they just have another child? Progeny? Why couldn't they just have more kids? Yes. I don't know. I mean, certainly at this time, like Prabhupada said, Krishna at the battlefield of Kurukshetra was, what, 125 years old? That means so was Arjuna. So that means the women were pretty old, too. Maybe they were past childbearing age. I don't know. But that's certainly possible. That Jopati uh, and the other queens of the Pandavas were past the age of having their own children and everybody else had been killed. There wasn't anybody else left. So that's a possible answer, but I'm, I'm just guessing because I haven't read anything from the Acharyas on this point. But even if they could have had more children, uh, that doesn't mean that they're not very interested in saving the one that they have. That wouldn't lessen, you know, if parents, even ordinary parents, if a, one of their children is in danger, they don't just think, oh, what the heck, we can always have another one. You know, it's just, just not like that. It's not, it's not, the, it's not your, the mood, you know. It's not like a paper plate or something. Or a piece of or a piece of furniture, or that, well, you know, if my rocking chair breaks, I can just have another one. So it's the bricket was it was very valuable, 
to the dynasties. So it's, it's possible that they simply couldn't have had any more children. I mean, I suppose they could have, again, remarried a younger wife and had another child. I don't know. But anyway, Mars Prickett was there, and why not try to protect him? So if he, if, if he were annihilated, then you go on from there. I mean, if you look at the history going back in the Kuru dynasty, you had a situation where everyone was annihilated. You had the situation where Shantanu had this child Bhishma by the Ganga. All of his brothers were killed. Ganga killed them. Bhishma was the only child. Then Shantanu wanted to uh, marry a second wife. I mean, although he was still married to Ganga, he, she wasn't there. And the condition for marrying this wife that was that from her father was that her children be king. So Bhishma took this vow, both that he would never claim the title of king, although he factually ran the, the world, and also that he would be celibate for life, that he wouldn't produce any children that would compete with Satyavati's children. So Satyavati and Santanu had two children. They had um, Vichitravirya and Chitrangada. And then Shantanu died. Well, then Chitrangada died before he could marry. He was killed by a Gandharva named Chitrangada, who didn't want any earthly king having his name. And then you had Vichitravirya, who did marry, married two women, but he didn't get either of them pregnant, which is interesting because Prabhupada says he died from overindulgence in sex. But anyway, he didn't get any, either of them pregnant. So then you had a situation where there was no heir. There was no biological heir at all. Everybody had died. And Bhishma had vowed not to create an heir nor to rule. So what were they going to do? So they took the queens. You know, it wasn't really the... It wasn't coming through the men that took the queens. Satyavati's son, Vyasadeva, who was born from a Brahmana, Parasara, then impregnated the two queens who were the wives of Vichitravirya, and things went on like that. So I'm sure if Parikit died, some arrangement would have been made for things to go on. I mean, we also have when Maharaj uh, Vena died, there was no heir, and the sages came and churned his thighs and by mystic power created Prithu and, and Archie. So there may be some extraordinary means done to ensure that there's a good ruler. But generally, why not protect what you, what you have? The Pandavas were going to rule for just 33 more years and then they were going to retire. So I think that's about the best I could do with that question. Um, we have some text messages coming in, but... Well, is are they something short and simple? Um, no, actually pretty complex, and I, I can't quite understand what they're asking. Oh, well, um, that's really complex. Okay, I think we'll end here then. Jai, all glories to Srila Prabhupada.